Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. All right, girls, welcome back to Mouth Off Radio. Today, we've got a real treat. Today's episode has two of my favourite things in it, which is comedy and female activists. We have the amazing Grace Campbell joining me today. Grace is a stand-up comedian and spearhead of the Free Periods campaign. So if you've missed it or if you're based outside the UK, Free Periods started as a direct response to period poverty and is the organised protest of Downing Street, which actually changed the law. Grace is no stranger to politics and grew up within the political world with both her parents working closely with government leadership. Grace is now heading up to Edinburgh to the world-renowned Fringe Festival with her show, Why I'm Never Going Into Politics. With that said, it's time to say hello to our guest, Grace Campbell. Thank you for having me. Lots to discuss on today's episode, but we're going to jump straight into, you have a show at the world-renowned Fringe Festival. I do, at the Edinburgh Fringe, um, my first ever show, so it's my debut. I'm doing the whole month, an hour, and it's called Why I'm Never Going Into Politics. It's (laughs) stand-up, it's about my life growing up in politics and about politics now and my relationship with it, but it's also about, like, me and sex and my vagina (laughs) and all the good shit so what does like warming up for something like that mean well it's kind of been I've been writing it for about eight months now and then I had material before then that I was sort of taking into it and what I do is really regularly preview Mm -hmm. it and try it see how it works as an hour work out what's missing. I I constantly, I'm like, what am I trying to say? Am I successfully saying it? Whenever I do an hour and I listen back to it, I'm like, I've got these things I want to say. I want to make people laugh, but I also want to make people think. I want to make people, like, at the end feel a bit like, fuck the system. We're going to, like, revolt. Or, or, like, you know, there are different things I sort of approach in terms of the way that we can change the world without going into politics. So I just keep doing that, basically, doing the hour... Try not to get too nervous before it. Try it out. Build up my stage presence. And then, like, afterwards, just say, like, am I am I hitting all the marks that I'm trying to get? But it's really it's really fun. And it's very independent. I'm just doing it on my own. Yeah. Which is very nice. That's awesome. Mm. So you explained before that you're relatively new to stand-up comedy. Mm. So how long have you been? So I, um, I did my first gig last April. Wow. Yeah, so like not long at all. And it was kind of, I started gigging and at the beginning it was like, you know, sex and being a woman and, and that kind of stuff. And then in the summer last year I, I had this realisation that, I have this thing that I can talk about mm-hmm. that is very interesting, very unique, and is sort of like my life story. And and so and then I went to the fringe just to like be a spectator last year, and I put on like a one night show, 
and then when I was there, I was like, oh my God, no, I, this is the show. And and at the beginning, like a few people were like, it's very early on for you to be doing this. Like, yeah. are you sure? Yeah. And I was just like, yes, because the state of the world right now is so weird. <laughs> the state of politics is so weird. It's so weird. My dad's just been kicked out of the Labour Party, yeah. which has made him like an, a sort of more relevant person. Not saying he wasn't relevant, but... <laughs> Sorry, Dad. But, <laughs> but so so all of these things are happening. I'm like, no, this is a really good time to be doing this show, to be talking about young people's relationship with politics. We've got people like Greta Thunberg and like all these student activists sort of doing things in their own way. And as I started, I've you know, pe- all those people who were like worried have been like, no, this is you know, it's I've, I've got to work seriously hard. And when I get to Edinburgh, I will be out of my depth yeah. because I've never done anything like it. But uh-huh. I've just got to like protect myself, and not drink. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to try. Yeah, we're going to try. We're mm-hmm. going to try. <laughs> this all sounds really, really exciting. So you are um, obviously a comedian um, and you are also an activist. Now, um, you co-founded Pink Protests and mm-hmm. that addresses the feminine issues. And in, was it 2017? It was reported that one in 10 young women can't afford menstrual products. Exactly. And 49% of girls missed a day of school because of their periods. Um, and then you and some colleagues mm-hmm. and yes. some lovely inspirational women you organised a protest on Downing Street. We did. Hell yeah. Yeah. And you managed to change the law. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit more about your journey and like how you did this amazing thing. So that, um, so what happened is we sort of, this, the pink protest was this quite organic thing. As I imagine lots of like collectives are, yeah. you know, like things like music collectives and mm-hmm. art collectives, they sort of happen like slowly and then people come and then you work out who the sort of core team is. But at that point... Scarlett Curtis, who's one of my best friends, and I were making a film series about young activists. Mm-hmm. So, like, coming back to the point I was just making about how amazing young people are and how engaged they are in yeah. politics in a different way. We wanted to make a film about that. And this girl, Amica George, came to mm-hmm. our shoot, and she was 16 at the time, 17 maybe, 16. And she'd started this petition um, addressing period poverty in the UK, and it was, like, asking that all girls on free school meals be given... Uh, period products menstrual products yeah and we were like what like we'd never even heard of period poverty before then to privileged women who have always had tampons and pads Mm -hmm. in the bathroom at home like it just never been a thing yeah and then we were like wow this is a cause that is directly like a form of poverty for women and so it's a form of discrimination because of you know gender and if men had periods, this wouldn't have been the case that like they'd be so inaccessible, they'd be being taxed, like mm-hmm. the tampons and pads are still being taxed. So we ha- so we sort of it was Amica that sort started it, but then Scarlett and I like were like let's put all of our energy behind her and behind this campaign, and then we were like okay, we're called the Pink Protest, so let's actually organise a protest, and it was um, one of the scariest things I've ever we've ever done. Really? I mean, Scarlett and I will always say that. I don't think I've ever done anything that was so challenging because, you know, we were like 21 and 22 at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd just finished university. Scarlett was still at university. We had to, like, get all this stuff passed. We had to get a stage. We didn't know if anyone was going to turn up. Mm-hmm. We were like, it's either going to be loads of people or just us and our <laughs> parents. And... Then we, we, what I think what was good is we got some great speakers and like, you know, Adra Bo was there, Tanya Burr, like loads of Deborah Francis White. It was a great sort of lineup. And then 
on the night of it, it was like amazing because all these sort of 14 to 18 year old, it was mainly schoolgirls yeah. that came. And it was then that we were like, oh my God, like we, we, we were so on the money with this because that generation cares so, so much. much. Yeah. And they're reading things that their parents aren't reading. They're like getting clued up on stuff that their parents have no idea, or their parents' generation have no idea about. And they're wanting to go to protests. They're wanting to like get involved in real life. Um, and then, yeah, as a sort of direct result of that, we started working with Jess Phillips and Paula Sharif, who are two Labour MPs, and they helped us basically. And then it, over time, it's now Philip Hammond has basically just announced that he's going to end period poverty in all schools. Amazing. Yeah. So change. Yeah. You did it. And it takes time. Yeah. It doesn't happen quickly. Like, mm. I think that's something that um, we had to learn at the beginning. It was like, yeah. you know, we, we want to do these things. They're not going to happen in a week, you know, in the way that some other things do. Activism, you have to have a lot of patience with. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people that are going to get in your way or lots of bureaucracy. So it's just like... Mm. It's a marathon, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. So you've managed to accomplish some amazing things so far. Um, and I think what you were talking about is the young people that turned up. So they were 14 and 18. So we had an episode where we were talking about Gen Z and the difference between millennials and Gen Z. And it is really how much they are involved in like the tactile human like actual issues that are going on in the world and how they are really not using technology to really face these issues mm. and are really getting in people's faces about it okay. and trying to connect again so it's very positive and I, I must admit for me it's so good to hear that young people mm. are really stepping up and taking charge and trying to make things different and better. Yeah, because what I think, my one of my theories on it is that when you're young, you are unrealistic with your ambitions. So like you have Greta Thunberg, she wants to stop climate change. Yeah. She wants to get this message out to everyone in the world that we that we have a, cl a climate crisis and something needs to be done about it. And because she is so young, it's firstly the message cuts through because she's so young, but also she's probably unrealistic at the beginning with like what she was going to be able to do yeah. and she's done it and yeah. it's incredible. And one of the things that I sort of sometimes fear is when you get a bit older, you start to get, less confident with those ambitions of being like I'm going to change the world you know mm -hmm, of course and so yeah. it's it's how do we like maintain I think as you say I really think that generation is different so yeah. hopefully they'll carry that confidence that power into their 20s with them um, because we need it we do we need drastic changes mm. and and when Greta Thunberg was in the UK she went to the Houses of Commons and went and spoke to loads of MPs and there was this footage of all these like really established like parliamentarians in this room like crowding in to look at this teenage girl and that is kind of um like a symbol of our times I think now yeah. that that generation is seeking Help. advice yeah because they don't know what to do mm -hmm. with loads of different issues that we've got um, yeah, I mean, I'm out of that generation. Now I'm 25. God, how did that happen? Oh, come on. 25. <laughs> You're still there. You're still in it. Happened so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Pink Protests, you guys also, um, apart from looking at period poverty, you came up with another movement um, called Girls Wank 2. Mm. 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 Um, and that is <laughs> uh, that came about to 
um, destigmatized female masturbation, mm-hmm. um, which is something we like to talk about on Ray, uh, Mouth Off Radio. Good, because I like to talk about it all the time. Just <laughs> so, can't see my stand up. <laughs> here we go. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit more about Girls Wank Too. Okay, so what happened with that is like we. So it's me, Scarlett, Honey, Ross, and Alice Skinner that we're the sort of main, you know, the four of us sort of core at the pink protest and we'd all had this exact same experience of masturbating when we were very young mm-hmm. for like years we still did it mm. but we were convinced that it was like fucked up and that yeah. we were doing something wrong so there was that sort of sense of shame around it so we all like realised that we had that same thing a couple of years ago and we were like I bet so many women have, have had the this same experience. and then I started having conversations with some of my friends who were like I've never had an orgasm. And I was like, oh my God, like how what? how have you gotten to your early 20s and you've <laughs> had like so much sex yeah. and you've you've never had an orgasm? Um, it's because you haven't explored yourself sexually on yeah. your own. Yeah. You know, like the, the thi- the, one of the reasons why I like, my boyfriend says I'll come at the gust of wind is <laughs> 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 because I've been wanking since I was six. Yeah. So I know how to do it. You know what to do. Yeah. And get like in, for boys, yeah. there's no shame around it. You yeah. know, you, you start wanking some point in your early adolescence and then it's normal. You talk to your mates about it. Like it's just a, a part of life. And we, we see that sort of represented in, in media and stuff. And we just don't see it for women. So we were like, yeah, let's just. So we, we sort of made loads of illustrations on, on wanking. We did an amazing event. Uh, I wrote a piece for Scarlet's book about it. And, yeah, now we just sort of keep talking about it. Mm. I love talking about it. Yeah. I love talking about it at my shows and like, seeing how uncomfortable the middle-aged Does men in the audience are. Does it come up on your podcast that you host of your dad? <laughs> I think he would fire me from my job if I did that. <laughs> He's come and seen my shows yeah. where, where I do it. I do, like, a te- like, ten minutes. My last ten minutes of the show is about wanking. Yeah. Um and it is it is it is really funny watching the like older people in the room react readjust to it. in their seat yeah squirm a bit yeah yeah but it's important to have these conversations I guess it is definitely and to have uh, mature attitudes towards these things mm. um, so you have been very active in your. 25 short years that you've had. <laughs> um, we've probably got some listeners out there who are campaigning and thinking about becoming more active and outspoken. Um, what advice do you have to these ladies who are trying to make change? It's a great question because actually I think um, sometimes it's more simple than it than it like seems. Mm-hmm. I think if there is a particular cause that you're passionate about, there will be people out there online in real life that you can find that you can sort of come together in a community with because the thing about especially when you're like we have so many teenage girls come to our events and say like all my friends at school think I'm a freak because I'm like a feminist and I care about all of the things that you guys care about and what we always say is like obviously it's so annoying that's happening but your people are out there like there are lots of other people online who have that same shared experience yeah, with yeah. you and then you know if, if if no one's doing anything about whatever it is like what amica did um with period poverty like start a petition start emailing mps the sort of it it, it depends sometimes it depends if you're trying to change a law or break down a stigma um if you're trying to change a law you need to like 
eventually build relationships with politicians because yeah. that's just like, unfortunately how it works. <laughs> you have to go into Westminster. Um, if you're trying to break down the stigma, I think it's like as simple as talking about it to people and, and posting online about like the wanking thing. Yeah. Once you say out loud in a room full of people that you wank, <laughs> it, it becomes so much easier to talk about it it's the same with like periods like i talk to anyone about my periods yeah and my family will still sort of grimace and i'm like no i'm gonna keep on doing this it's part of my activism i think yeah you need to carry on in order Mm. to make those differences and stuff and i'm all for talking about periods especially with men Mm. because i feel like their attitudes towards it is you know something they don't want to think about and i'm like it's it's a part of life Mm. and processes and you know if you want to be able to have children it's a conversation you're going to have because I found a lot of my friends who are very private about that stuff and then it came to like right let's start a family and I was like well how are you going to have these conversations when you've pretended that you don't bleed? it doesn't happen yeah, yeah it's bizarre. so it it really does need to be a, both a, a male and a female it really does and like so one of the things that we've always spoken about like and that we we all know is when we were at school you when the boys were learning about wanking the girls were learning about periods like they would separate boys and girls boys would learn about wanking and like their urges they'd suddenly get and girls would learn about periods so we're like taught at school to think that like our sort of coming of age thing is bleeding once a month and sometimes being in pain and theirs is like orgasms (laughs) why don't we just teach all of them about all of that because it's kind of it's interconnected like we all wank a lot of women have periods um it's very normal the reason we're all here is because of periods so like let's get over it i remember at school there was this one boy who um thought that for your whole period you just had the same tampon in for the whole like five days oh my god and it's just like what what (laughs) like you you have you can like die if you do that yeah i mean toxic shock syndrome for out like a few more than a few hours yeah you can get really ill from that so interesting yeah so it's, it's like little myths like that and teaching people about moon cups and all that kind of stuff head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the award-winning movie poor things starring emma stone mark ruffalo and willem dafoe check out the new documentary freaknik the wildest party never told about the iconic atlanta street party and don't miss fx's shogun a reimagining of the epic tale starring anna sawai so what are you waiting for go stream something new on hulu hey everyone it's jen and jess from the beauty podcast fat mascara here to talk about sol de janeiro so many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face one of our favorite ways to do that is with sol de janeiro's beige flor elastic cream a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks plus it's scented with sol de janeiro's charosta 68 fragrance sol de janeiro is offering you 10 percent off your first order on sol de and free shipping with the code acast 10 that's so L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. I mentioned before your podcast, um, so you, which you've recently started, and it's called Football Feminism and Everything in Between. Um, how's that process been? And what are you hoping to achieve on this podcast, which you co-host 
with your dad with my dad okay yeah. so um how's it been it's been interesting for <laughs> sure it's it's always going to be challenging i think working with a parent especially a parent who's the much bigger person and like you know he he's sort of this big figure mm. and so i've i've really been sort of thinking about how I manage that in terms of like not feeling too intimidated by it and like remembering that we're there sort of doing it together. So that's been really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the pro the, oh, and then the aim of the podcast or sort of what we're trying to achieve. So it's called football, feminism and everything between football's his obsession and feminism is mine. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to do something that sort of brought the two things together. Yeah. Because like Obviously, there's like football's a huge part of our culture, but it's still very male dominated. Doesn't in, in, include or um, or welcome women in as much as it should, and likewise, feminism is very obviously female dominated and yeah. hasn't quite, I think, hasn't quite worked out how, how to, to involve include. men yeah. in the conversation yet. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like, I'm not saying that like we have to do that, but my personal feminism is that we should involve men because yeah. they are half of the population and they do still hold a lot of the power in our society. So getting them on board would really help us get a lot of the uh-huh. jobs done quickly. So we had an episode come out a few months ago with Jamie Carragher. Oh my God, I love Jamie Carragher. Isn't he so attractive? He's so hot. His so accent hot. Is, and I, I, I'm a Liverpool fan oh, as well now. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Since I got married, it came with the ring. Oh, did it was it? a contract. Yeah. Oh, love that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did really well. They did. We had a was great Was it very weekend. happy? Yeah, yeah, we were very, very happy. So we did this episode with Jamie Carragher and most of it's football and then some of it is like, I don't know if you remember, but he, he spat on that guy. I do remember yeah. that, yeah. We spoke about that. We spoke about his family. But we did about eight minutes on feminism. And he'd obviously never really spoken about feminism in public before, like in an interview, because all he gets asked about is football. But for the people listening to that, Trojan horsing like eight minutes of feminism into a podcast, which is mainly about sport, is great. Because what was really interesting about Jamie's episode, and has been the case with like Sean Dyche, who's a Burnley manager, and we did Maro Itoje, who's a rugby player, is that... I'll say, are you a feminist? And they'll say, mm, I don't know, I don't really know enough about feminism. And then, I'll, and then I'll say, feminism is literally thinking that women and men should be equal in all forms of life. We should be paid the same. We should be given the same opportunity and blah, blah, blah. And then all of them are like, oh, oh, obviously I'm a feminist. Ah. And it's it's so satisfying. Like, yeah. so like having that sort of like, so Jamie Carragher, I explained to him and he was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I can't do the accents. I'm yeah. not even trying. But he's like, oh, obvi- obviously, like, how he can anyone not? He is the thing yeah. in the world. He goes, bore, <laughs> bore. <laughs> I could listen to it all day. Oh, it's out, yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's a very niche subject because a lot of it is football. So for, like, feminists, they might get a bit, a bit put off by it. But I do think slightly aiming more for the men yeah. with this. Um, that has been the goal. Like, Scarlett and I... When we do panels on feminism, so many people in like the Q&A ask, how can I get the men in my life involved in feminism? And so now we're just going to say, listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just kind of like, a, it, you know, it's not too in-depth feminism, but it's there's a bit in every episode. But I think it's really important that you are bringing it to that subject and you, you are marrying them because I, there is a lot of female football fans out there and it's something that, sh- you know, a female supporter might be like oh 
husband yeah, or partner exactly. listen to this and you know exactly have those conversations and get everyone kind of talking and mingling and I think with female football as well especially in like the strides that they're making you know all or I'm not sure if I can say all but most major Premier League teams have a female team yeah. now and stuff so it's really important to be a bit more inclusive the women's world cup has just happened and it was it, it's been covered so much mm-hmm. which is essentially what we need to do we need to support women's football because yeah. the more people that watch women's football the more money women female footballers can start getting paid yeah. they can not have to work two jobs which mm-hmm. all of them like all of I, the people I playing do, yeah. the world cup are also also have like full-time jobs mm-hmm. that they're um managing so yeah it's it's um really exciting and I do think that we need to work out how to get men involved more and and how to make it, like... Less scary and daunting. I think feminism, you kind of... Your reaction is to be like, what is this? I'm so sorry. But, you know, as you said, when you ask those footballers and guests, are you a feminist, and you break it down to them in the most simplest terms, they're on board with it. So it's trying to destigmatise the word feminism and, like, you know, try and make sure everybody understands fundamentally what it is and I think we'll all agree that we are feminists and we just want a level playing field yeah. and you know equal opportunities and stuff so totally and you want to think that like you want to know that all the men in your life if you weren't there and they were in a changing room or a work environment and someone said something incredibly misogynistic about a woman that they would say that's not cool. Mm. You know, I want to know that, like, my dad, my boyfriend, my brothers, all my male friends, if they were in those environments, they would know to turn around and say, that is not cool. You can't yeah. say stuff like that. Mm. Because that's what we, you know, because we're not in all of those, those masculine areas, yeah, environments because yeah, yeah. it's it's mas- it, it's just full of men, uh-huh. which is why football is such an interesting field because it is, you know, me- men's football is so sort of toxically male. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get there. We will. We are making great strides. Mm. So long may it continue. So, what's your experience been as a female comedian? Is it an area in which your sex is necessarily a hindrance? Or do you think that in comedy it really doesn't matter? I think it gives you more material, being Mm -hmm. a woman. Definitely. Um, Because you have more to bitch about yeah like let's be real we're living in a patriarchy Mm -hmm. so i think yeah it definitely gives you more material um it's not been easy for women in comedy for a long time you Mm -hmm. know like as long as it's existed there there were never like as many um they were never given the same treatment there's always been this backwards idea that women aren't funny which which i still you know like irritates me i do gigs And I'll come off the stage and, like, a man will come up to me thinking this is a compliment and say, I really didn't think you were going to be funny when I saw you walking on the stage. And I was really shocked that you were. Wow. And I'm like, that's not a compliment. (laughs) But they think they've given me a They think I should be like, thank you. Um, You're just saying that you don't think women are funny. And and it's crazy because I think, like, the funniest people in my life are women. Definitely. Because we have so much shit to, to bitch deal with about and yeah. go through and experiences and stuff exactly um so it's definitely changing uh it's a great great time for women in comedy it's always been but you know they've always been amazing women in comedy they've just never been given the sort of platform that they deserve and now it's really definitely changing um but 
there's still work to be done because I sort of hate that idea that like once we've got like loads of women on TV that that means that they're I still do gigs where I'm the only woman mm-hmm. very often I'll do gigs where I'm the only woman yeah in the lineup um and you feel like you're there to like prove all these people that all women are funny yeah whereas men don't walk on stage thinking I have to prove that all men are funny right now because mm-hmm. we're sort of like conditioned to think that they all are I don't know mm. do you think there's more that needs to be done in comedy to like make sure that it's um as diverse as possible so people of color yeah. and um, gay voices in comedy and stuff like that I do I think you know it's it's like lots of industries it's kind of who you know and so it's a bit of a little club and people are all mates and so that you know they all sort of know each other and and often those are like cisgendered white men that Mm. are like helping each other out because they've been doing it for a long time and they're all very you know successful and have the access and stuff um so totally it's just about championing different voices and realizing that like different voices are often so much more interesting because they have like things you've never heard said before yeah um so, yeah, I do definitely think that. But there's also this sort of fear, I think, with, like, white men in comedy who think that everyone's stealing their jobs. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I think you could say that across the board. Totally. It's what's happening it? at the moment. There's yeah. all these ev- men everywhere saying that women are stealing their jobs. No, we just want 50-50. Like. Yeah. I mean, we are here on the planet as yeah. well. We don't just, like, poof and yeah. disappear. We, we didn't eat. suddenly turn up. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, where's my job? Yeah. Mad. Madness. Well, thank you for answering those questions. We're going to Not delve into the punch bowl now. So, section of random questions from people around the office, social media. Um, I'm going to read them out. You're going to answer them. Cool. Let's uh, mouth off. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, question one. Oh, moving on from an ex advice. It sounds kind of cringe, but self love and like looking after yourself. So, I think it, it's really hard but what I used to do when I was like you know my my boyfriend now is my first sort of like proper long-term boyfriend but when I got dumped um in the past which happened quite a lot mm. <laughs> I would do the wrong thing and go and get incredibly pissed and end up doing things I shouldn't have done yeah and actually I think the best thing to do when you've had a breakup is look after yourself get to know yourself yeah. again spend a lot of time with yourself like yeah stay at home and put on a face mask and like watch a Netflix show on your own sort mm-hmm. of learn to love your own company yeah, yeah. I think that's essential because mm, you you sometimes can lose sight of that when you're in a relationship yeah just find your true self what makes you happy work mm. on that right so going back in punch bowl right here we go here we go here we go oh, why do I always take out like seven at a time right it's the nails best habit <laughs> and worst habit okay my best habit is um, I reply to messages quickly. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm I'm not one of those people that sort of, le- you know, I'm not one of those people that replies to my friends a week later being like, hey, sorry. I always reply pretty much straight away. Same with emails. That's great. Um, that's a habit I'm quite proud of and I hope to keep it. Worst habit is I um, pick my nose in public a lot. Oh, get right in there, girl. It really drives my mum and my boyfriend absolutely <laughs> mad. Because I don't know I'm doing it. You just like, I just suddenly I'm like up, up there. Right up in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One thing the world desperately needs. Female leadership. Mm-hmm. 
I would agree. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Okay. If you could disinvent one thing, what would it be? This is a good one. That's I love this really question. Good one. If you could disinvent one thing, what would it be? A university fees, tuition yeah. fees, student debt. It's peak. Yeah. I was the first year to pay the nine grand fees. Oh. Yeah, I went on all those all I was those the last marches. year that we just oh, missed it. Yeah. yeah. Damn. And I'm getting these letters constantly at the moment about how much interest my my debt's been going. The interest is absolutely insane because yeah. the Tory government just like slipped it in with no one noticing. So, yeah, mm. I, I wish I could get rid of that, that debt. Okay, finish this sentence. I have never... I've never checked the weather. What? Mm-hmm. That is a fact about me. You've never checked the weather? I don't check the weather. You just rock up, just like... I just look outside the window. Nice. No, I, I check the <laughs> and window. I, it like, means I'm always fucked because I never have a fucking <laughs> umbrella. <laughs> but I basically have this thing in my head that people that check the weather are too organised and I don't like it. Oh, that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so final punch bowl question. Are dating apps doing more harm than good? Uh, I'm going to say no. I think it, that lots of people think that. I met my, I met my boyfriend on a dating app and... He's great, so I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, it's like anything. You have to look after yourself when you're going out into sort of new parts of the world like that. But no, I think it's great that we can meet people in a different way and we're not, like, limited to this sort of small pool of people that you may have been yeah. limited to before, like work and schoolmates and stuff. So, Well, that was the last of the Punchbowl questions. How are you feeling? You survived it. You did well. I feel good. Yes, that was good. Excellent. Right. Well, thank you for joining us today. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for having me. I hope you've enjoyed your experience on Mouth Off Radio. I've loved it. So let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Um, On Instagram, I am Disgrace Campbell. And on Twitter, I am Grace Campbell. Amazing. And you are heading to Fringe. Yes, so my show is at the Gilded Balloon in Edinburgh, uh, in Bristow Square, and it's called Why I'm Never Going Into Politics, and it's at 3.15 every day. So please come if you're there. I am begging you. (laughs) (laughs) Fringe is definitely on my bucket list, so I might even try and make it up for that one. That would be amazing. definitely should. Um, And then finally, just let the listeners know where they can help fight the good fight so on your um, websites and stuff yeah so the pink protest uh, mainly lives on instagram we have a website we've got a few podcasts that we're making well me and my dad's one is a pink protest podcast and then on our page there are lots of different ways um that you can get involved so definitely go look at our instagram and our website right well then thank you very much grace thank you It has been incredible to have Grace in on Mouth Off Radio today. What a sensational woman, kicking ass and taking names. We have covered female masturbation, life as a comedian, talking feminism with footballers and breaking down barriers and having those conversations. Please make sure to subscribe, rate and review Mouth Off Radio. If you want to continue the conversation, head over to our Instagram and Twitter. You can find us by searching at Nastigal. Well, guys, this has been Mouth Off Radio. I've been your host, Paige Martin. Be nice, keep laughing and mouth off. Hey, 
everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAS10. That's S-O-L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com, and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. 